Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Spoiler Alert, the show where we spare no info on your favorite games. This time around, we're doing uh, Splinter Cell Conviction, uh, which was recently released, I think, four days ago on the Xbox 360. Uh, with me today, I have only Randy, uh, because for some reason, people doesn't don't seem to want to play 360 games, or at least this 360 game. So, yeah. Hey, everybody. I, and you know what, though, Mots? It's always awesome hanging out here with my favorite Viking. But uh, I think that the the reason why people are so kind of I don't know shying away from this is is uh, you know people were really kind of waiting to see what the reviews were for this game. Like there was a lot of hype behind it, but I don't think anybody was really sold on conviction before the game came out. Yeah, I mean, I guess you have to be sort of like us, where we are both very very much uh, you know stealth game fans. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I think those are the only people that were like the day one people that purchased it. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't this isn't like a, I mean, it's a big title. It's a it's definitely a nice title for Ubisoft to put out. Um, but at the same time, this isn't like a Grand Theft Auto or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. And plus, you know, it uh, it hasn't come out for PC yet either. So you sort of alienate that crowd as well. Absolutely, and it's you know at the moment it's only 360 exclusive. <laughs> However, I have been reading rumors that this is probably going to end up coming to PS3. Uh, that Ubisoft was saying that you know hey it's kind of nice that we've got this exclusivity thing with 360, but it's not really a profitable venture for us. Um, there have been kind of leaks about it, but nobody there hasn't been an official statement about it yet. Yeah, it's it's all going to come down to contracts, really. I think if if yeah. they have a contract where they have assigned exclusivity until you know uh, fall, then they'll release it in fall. So yeah, I would if I were a gambling man, I would I would bet that we would be seeing uh, conviction on um, the PS3 by Christmas. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Um, so I want to talk about the uh, the gameplay first because you know we can get to the story and the story is really big point of the show, but uh, there are some things about the gameplay that sort of, you know, revolutionize uh, this genre, in particular the uh, whole thing with the uh, you know, uh, holographic text mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, I, I don't know how you felt about this, but I really liked it I I, felt, I didn't think it was intrusive at all, I, I thought it add, added to the experience, and you know, it just um, uh, actually, a funny story, uh, since I live in Norway for some reason, they had the text that the holographic text show up in Norwegian, yet you know all the voice acting is in English. So that's oh, that's pretty cool. No, see, that's not cool. Cause oh, because that, that took me out of the experience. Because I'm in this English world, right? I, <laughs> I'm, I'm in this English game where people are talking English, and suddenly you have this uh, totally different uh, Norwegian text popping up. So I actually had to go to my 360 and change my location to the US to get it to show uh, the English text. I couldn't just change it in-game. Oh, wow, that's kind of neat, actually. But, but that got me to think about how, you know, how important that was to me, for me, because I, I literally, you know, got annoyed by that and, and went out and changed it. You know, I had to restart the game, even. So, uh, you know, for to me, that, that whole thing, it just, it was so brilliant, because I always knew what I was doing, and it never felt intrusive. It never felt like anyone was holding my hand and, and you know, telling me specifically what to do. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning couple of levels, it is a little bit holding your hand, but I think for first-time Splinter Cell players, it's kind of important. Like on mm. pipes that are labeled climb and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Most uh, past Splinter... Or, uh, former Splinter... or uh, I'm sorry. Splinter Cell veterans will know pipes are climbable. They'll... Uh, you know, that's, that's something that everybody would know. But non... 
non-Splinter Cell fans, and I think there will be a lot of new Splinter Cell fans after this one, um, won't have known that. But aside from that, I think you're right. There was no overhand-holding. Um, and I really did like the effect. Um, even though Sam kind of lost a lot of his, his classic gear that I, I personally really missed, I thought that this kind of storytelling, this this graphical storytelling, fit his world perfectly. Yeah. You know? I, I think that was perfect for uh, Splinter Cell. And I, that's the best way I can put it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, um, even even just noticing that it is actually holographic text. It's not just uh, painted on the walls. If Sam uh, goes, you know, steps between the text and whatever point it, you know, the radius. Whatever's from, magically projecting it. Yeah, it, projecting yeah. it. Yeah, then you get the te- text projected onto him. Uh, and so, you know, it's uh, it's sort of strange, but it kind, kind of works in a, in a weird way. Uh, yeah, I don't exactly know how to explain it. I'm not sure I would want to see this in every game, but it's definitely something I want to see developed. I, I gotta say, there was only one point in the game where I was... Uh, it's the point in the game where, and I, I'm probably going to be ruining a little bit of the story, but we'll get into it a little bit later, when Sam is actually going after the assassin uh, at the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. And he's chasing him, and like these signs keep popping up, and it's like, get closer, go faster, stuff like that. And uh, that kind of pulled me out of it a little bit, just because that really reminded me of the movie They Live. Have you ever seen that one? No, I haven't. It's it's a really cheesy '80s film. It's like a I don't even want to call it a zombie movie. It's it's uh, um, it's about this guy who finds these sunglasses, and when he wears the sunglasses, he realizes that most of the humans actually are not humans, and that almost all of the advertisement and and uh, and books and stuff that people read don't actually say what they're you know what we see them to say it was it was just something along those lines if you're listening to this check out the movie they live uh, i'm sure a lot of you probably know what the hell i'm talking about but there was something about that that reminded me of the movie they live that brings up the point as well though that it is intrusive at some points it is you know you don't need to see every single you know van you pass in that sequence because you pass a lot of vans on every single van it says you know get closer uh, run faster forward <clears throat> and you already know yeah. that <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you just watched him kill a guy. You know, you're of course you want to go after him. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, as far as other other like um, spoilerific things about the gameplay that uh, that I didn't even get to cover really in the uh, in the review uh, was uh, was really how disappointed I was in Sam's gadgets, which actually have a lot to do with the gameplay this time around. Yes. Um, there are a lot of people that are, are saying there's there's a lot that's changed in, in Sam's maneuvers. He can no longer do like the inverted grab from pipes, which I think is really sad. I thought that was one of the cooler things he can do. Um, his night vision goggles are totally gone, which I think is criminal. And and um, I don't know how they they even got to print you know that game without without the Splinter Cell you know classic goggles. And before you continue, let me just jump in there. I don't see why they did that because. There are a lot of points in this game where it's so dark because of the black-white thing that you can't see shit. Yeah, and you think to yourself, I'm going to pop on my goggles right now, yeah. you know? And you can't. Yeah. Um, and the goggles that they do give you, those sonar goggles, they're neat, but they're not... They say that they aid in, in night vision, but they really don't. And, and I think the most annoying thing about them is if you move at all while you're wearing them, it's as though you're disrupting the goggles themselves. Like, they're so sensitive that it disrupts the image. Yep. And so if you move or run, like, the whole screen just goes kind of haywire. So it's kind of like, 
doesn't even really make them worth it. It doesn't really make them worth putting them on almost at all, except for when you're, you know, about to breach a door and you want to see if there's enemies on the far side of it. I, I, I mean, I only, pretty much only used them when I was up against the enemies who's, who also used them, just because, you know, to even the playing field. Uh, but at those points, when, when you are at those, you know, points of the game, you can't really hide too much. No. Uh, so you mostly end up running around and shooting. And when right. you move that fast with them on, uh, first of all, you get the whole distortion thing. And for some reason, walls seem to disappear to me. I, I kept running into stuff I thought wasn't there. Right. Because it doesn't give you like actual night vision. It gives you like that odd yeah. sonar vision, which is not even close to the same. Mm. Um, you know, another big a big thing that I, I kind of disliked about this, and, and uh, but again, a lot of people are really going to enjoy it, and this is a big gameplay change from past Splinter Cell titles, is the fact that you cannot sneak through everybody. In in past Splinter Cell titles, I, I think I, I actually did it in Chaos Theory, uh, I was able to make it through every single level without killing or being spotted by anybody. You yeah. know? You cannot do that in this. There is no tricking enemies to go one side while you sneak by them. There's there's so many points where you just have to kill everybody. There are, though, points where you really shouldn't kill anybody as well, or everybody as well. Uh, for example, the the, the uh, parking uh, lot uh, level. <laughs> All dead. Seriously? Yeah, every one of them. <laughs> I had such a fucking problem with that, because they kept finding the bodies, or I kept accidentally being seen by the cameras while, while trying to take a guy out. I kept uh, missing a guy uh, while trying to shoot him from a distance. And as soon as yeah. you miss someone, they, you know, immediately... Um, they, they, like, raise the alarm and stuff. Yeah. What I was doing was, um, I was actually using an old Splinter Cell tactic. I was, uh, instead of just killing them on the spot, I was grabbing them and dragging them into the shadows and then snapping their necks in the shadows. I should have done that. Oh, and another thing. Uh, there's, you know, you use cars for cover all the time in that level. Yeah. And, oh my god, how many times I accidentally set off the car, uh, you know, <laughs> alarm. The car alarms and stuff? Yeah. But uh, control-wise, what did you think of the game, though, all, all in all? Oh, I think, it, you know, all in all, it's controlled really well. Uh, it, the gameplay... Uh, I want to say something about the level design. Because okay. this level design reminds me so much of Arkham Asylum. Really? Yeah. Just because you have this... Um, you have this complete world. You, you, you see places off in the distance or pathways that you can't get to. But you know that they are somehow part of the level, and you're supposed to get there some way. And then oh. you go do some sort of scripted story sequence, and then it turns out, oh, hey, this way is open to me now. Or I can blow out this wall, and I can come through there, or, you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, it's it's very much like Arkham Asylum, I find, that way. And, and also just in the style, where you have these run-down sort of factory levels, and these, uh, you know, uh, underground passages and, all, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Gavin actually and I were chatting a little bit. He he didn't finish the game, so that's why he's not in here today. But um, he actually said from what he played, he really did not like the level design. I, I personally loved it. I thought yeah. the level design was, was fantastic. Again, I wish they had designed it so that I could sneak around some other guys, but otherwise, I thought they were great. The bases were realistic. The helicopters and jets and stuff that you're sneaking by are all realistic, and um, I really liked them. Also, just the the amount of stuff they press into the screen that still looks great is just amazing to me. When you're yeah. walking in the street in Washington, oh my god. 
<laughs> you know, when you have the civilians run and all that, that, yeah, was just, uh-huh. that looked incredible to me. I gotta, I gotta say, um, parts of downtown DC look like that, but uh, never have we ever, in in the uh, nine years that I've been living in the DC area, uh, have we ever had a fair like that at the National Mall? On the National Mall, we've never had like carousels and shit at yeah. the base of the monument. You know, it was pretty, it was neat looking, but I, I think that they did that to kind of. Uh, fix what they couldn't get done before. Do you remember seeing in the early development phase where they were like having him trying to escape from guards and everything like that at the uh, at the Korean Memorial and stuff like that? Uh, no, actually. Yeah, there was they, they had like all these scenes where like he was running from guards at the Korean Memorial and he would go into like a like a tchotchke sh- uh, shop and if somebody would come in the door after him he would like pick up a chair and whip it at them and stuff like that. Basically, what we were seeing in the early development phase is totally different than than what uh, what we ended up getting in the final product. Yeah, you, um, can, you really can't do that kind of stuff. There's there's not rather there's not that much dynamic uh, interaction with the environment. Right, and I think that was the reason why they switched it to having like this carnival on the DC Mall. Because to be honest with you, the DC Mall is really pretty, but it's not like awesome gameplay um, environment. I mean, even look at Fallout Three, where the DC mall actually existed there, but they ripped it to shreds, and there were, like, you know, um, <clears throat> trenches and shit like that. There, they, they had to do something to make it more interesting. I don't see uh, I don't see why that carnival had to be on the DC. I, I think maybe they had that space already designed to use yeah. for something else, and then they chopped out that part, and then they just inserted the carnival into it. I think they also did it just to kind of make it so that people realized that it was in DC and all this kind of stuff, but in reality, they... They should have. They should have had it in Arlington. Arlington's being being the the slightly more military based area, you know, around here, because that's where the Pentagon is, and that's mm. where you know a lot of the defense contractor buildings are and stuff. So, and the, and Arlington actually has all kinds of that crazy stuff. Um, and in Arlington, you can still see, you know, in the distance, all the monuments and everything like that. So, but meh, that's just kind of picking this from here. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what the hell were the other like gadgets and moves that, that I was kind of disappointed to uh, to see lost? Um, I, I was really just so sad that the night vision goggles were gone. I I was really kind of sad that the knife was gone. Um, mm. But you know, in exchange, I thought the the stealth takedowns with the silenced pistols were totally worth the exchange. Yeah. You know? it, it, it sort of reminded me because I, I actually haven't played that much of the old Splinter Cell games I, I sort of uh, played a little bit of them but never really finished any of them right. uh, but it sort of reminded me a lot of Manhunt uh, yeah <clears throat> yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean where it's you know sort of unnecessarily brutal because he could just you know put the gun to the back of a guy's head and just shoot you know well what he I think I think what they were trying to portray um well, I think they were trying to do two things. One, I think they were really trying to drag in the the twenty four crowd. Um, you know, they yeah. they really. Where in the past, Jack Bauer was heavily kind of influenced on Sam Fisher. I think this time around, Sam Fisher is more influenced by Jack Bauer. Um, but uh, I think they really wanted to drag in the twenty four crowd. In the past, you know, Sam would walk up, he would grab a guy around the neck, and he would put a gun to their head, and he would kind of drag him off into the shadows, where he would like either bonk him on the back of the head or just kind of you know choke him out, that kind of stuff. I think what they were trying to portray was that more brutal, kind of hurried um, personality that they were showing in Sam. You know, yeah. if, if you noticed, he never just killed a guy with one round, or very rarely it was just one round. It was always like 
double taps, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like and you two can do... to the back or well, like one to the side and then one to the head. Brutal stuff. And and you do that in game as well, or you know, actively as well. When you when you hatch out someone, at least later in the game, you always do at least two to make sure they actually go down. Because right. you know, because of helmets and stuff like that. So, um, uh, I, I think yeah, there's also a little bit of a Jason Bourne influence in there. Um, yes. Especially yeah. in the way he 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 dresses. Uh, you know, the, in the clothes you wear. I think, uh, you know, because it's not that sort of, you know, uh, spy suit. It's it's a regular sort of uh, army-influenced, perhaps. Uh, right. You know, army wool sweater and all that stuff, but... Yeah, cargo pants, thermal yeah. top. Yeah. And yeah, that, absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> and that's... Yeah, well, I was just trying to round out that that's really... I think really Jason Bourne inspired because he wears exactly that kind of stuff. And you know, it might be you know the most realistic thing for him to wear in that situation, but it's still still a point to make. Um, yeah, and you know what? I, I kind of want to getting into what he's wearing. Um, I, I'm sure you remember this, and I almost made it the cover of the magazine when when I uh, put it up today. Do you remember Sam was actually in the first uh, demo scenes of of Conviction? He had long hair. He had a yeah. beard. He was wearing a hoodie and he had like a duffel bag. Um, he looked from the. He looked like the guy from uh, Condemned Two. He did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Looked a lot like the dude from Condemned Two. Dude, good call. Yep. Um, but I think that they, I think they changed it around and kind of gave him the military haircut and the and the scruff look instead of the, you know, instead of the full beard. I think what they they really essentially did by doing that was they turned Sam Fisher from being the guy that was running from the law into the guy that's actually hunting down the people that he's after. And um, I don't know if I like that or not. Like, there was something about me in the anticipation of this game that I wanted to be the Sam Fisher that was running from the law but still a force to be reckoned with, you know, while while running. That, that uh, um, I don't know, that caged animal or that trapped animal kind of mentality. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, at the starting of the game, we are in uh, Greece or Vanilla. Vanilla. Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, um, uh, Malta. Oh yeah, yeah, almost. Um, <laughs> and I, I think, I think, you know, uh, I, I think it's also you got to think of it as a way for him to fit in. You know, he shouldn't have this overly gruff look because then you know he stands out from the crowd. Yet he shouldn't be, you know, super clean either. And and you know, I think it's it's a nice middle point, and I think an international spy would sort of go for something like that, if it's yeah. if that sounds you know right. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's 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 the ba- Jason Bourne kind of look. Yeah, it's you know, it's not overly uh, worked on, I guess. It's just there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did what did you think about um, uh, gameplay wise? Did you did you get to do any um, co op stuff at all? I didn't actually. I just got the game today and I finished it right before the podcast. Okay. Uh, so, so I'm so I'm gonna look to you to cover that part. All right. All right. Well, we'll co-op stuff. Um. Uh. From from what I played, I have not finished it. From what I played, the, the storyline so far is uh nothing short of phenomenal. Um. It uh, even though they kind of had a storyline in um, Chaos Theory, they kind of had a storyline in Pandora Tomorrow, and they kind of had a storyline for the the two agents in Double Agent. But in this, they really kind of take it a step further. And um, it's really something that I don't think anybody should miss. Um, the, these two, um, the two spies, uh, Archer and Kestrel, 
Um, which Archer, I think, is one of the funniest freaking names they could possibly come up with, considering of the cartoon show Archer, yeah. you know, the super spy. But anyway, uh, Archer and Kestrel, there, you know, Kestrel is, is Russian, Archer is, is an American, you know, from uh, third echelon. The two of them seem to have this working relationship where they, they work together and they, they are like this um, flawless, seamless um, operating couple, but they kind of secretly hate each other a little bit, you know. Just Whereas, like the show. Yeah, kind of just like the show. <laughs> you know, and it's it's not even like a buddy buddy kind of thing. You know, like an army of two where um, where the two of them like beat the hell out of each other and stuff, but secretly they're like best friends and all that kind of shit. Yeah. This there there you could tell like there's a, a layer of contempt between the two characters. Where like if you revive your your buddy, you know the one guy will say thanks, and it's like yeah, I don't want to hear you crying, or yeah, I don't make me do it again, that kind of shit, or I hate playing nurse. You know, they they're mad at each other almost all the time, mm. or. <laughs> or, or watch me next time. I'll I'll teach you how to shoot properly. Like really kind of backhanded uh, comments to each other. So since I haven't played the co-op, I guess I'll, I'll ask. You know, what does that introduce to the game? Is it is there any new gameplay elements at all? Um, not really. No. Like uh, I, the the only major difference between the standard levels and these levels is the fact that you've got to not only worry about if you're being seen, you got to worry about your buddy being seen. Um, which means you actually do have to watch each other's backs quite a bit. Um, just like Sam can th- grab somebody and throw them into a, into a neck lock, enemies can do that in the double agent uh, or in the in the the two agent mode of the game, the co op uh, version of the game. So if your buddy gets into a chokehold, you know, after a couple of minutes, you know, they'll get shot in the back of the head. Um, after so- a couple of minutes, not seconds. It's uh, it's like maybe twenty seconds or so. Like okay. they'll they'll threaten the other guy to come out and out of hiding and stuff. And so what gamers can do is uh, the person who's in the chokehold at the at the right moment, you know, as your buddy says, okay, now they can throw an elbow at the guy who's holding them and like kind of push him back a little bit to open them up for like a headshot from from the other guy or you know to sneak up from behind and, and shoot him once in the back of the head. It's mm. it's pretty great. It, it's probably some of the best cooperative gaming that I play. Period. So, so would it be possible to do the classic, um, you know, standoff where you shoot a guy through his shoulder and into the heart of the guy behind him? Unfortunately, no. I don't think that that's possible, considering you know you're wearing like full body armor, so it would have to go through body armor, shoulder, body armor, and then through the guy in the back. So probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. There, Good point. There are some pretty tense moments though, like. Um, there is a point where you force one of the the people that you interrogate to answer a telephone, and the person that is forcing the guy to answer the telephone ends up in a chokehold, and the other guy is shot. Okay, so you've got one agent on the ground and one guy in a chokehold. So the agent that's on the ground has to sit up and properly aim a headshot at the at the agent you know who's who's being held hostage, yeah. unless you know you kind of preemptively do something about it. And it's really great. It makes for some fantastic game moments. Sounds um, really cool. It is. It's fantastic. I gotta say though, this is definitely as much as I love the the co-op version and, and Chaos Theory. This definitely gets a step up in my book because um, Chaos Theory was um, ruthless. <laughs> when you, if one of you died, you had to do the whole mission over again. This has checkpoints that are that are pretty. I don't want to say lenient, but they're they're uh, they're the right amount. They're not overly liberal and they're not too conservative too conservative about how many checkpoints there are. Right, and you mentioned as well that you could revive your partner. Yes, yes. you can revive your partner. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I, I mean, um, 
Is this something you you would see yourself replaying? Is it overly scripted? Do enemies appear at the same, or do you know? Um, so, do you mean do you mean um with Splinter Cell Conviction itself, or the co-op, or the co-op, which the one? co-op? The co-op is um, the co-op normal stuff is just as scripted as uh, Conviction uh, standard. However, there are some um, there are some missions got uh, they're called Deniable Ops, hmm. and um. Those are actually kind of cool. Deniable Ops are actually probably one of my favorite parts of the game. They're, they give you, I think it's about 12 maps, and um, it's basically, they throw you into Area 1, and they give you 10 enemies, and you have to take them out. The 10 enemies are randomly, you know, spawned into the area, um, so they could be anywhere when and you this, go in. And this is co-op, right? It's co-op or single player, actually. Okay. It's called so- uh, Deniable Ops, I think. I only ask because I noticed on your review, review you said... Um... Uh, only rent and not buy. So I, I was wondering if if that maybe had an effect. Uh, the the reason why I say only rent and not buy is because uh, chaos or uh, because stealth purists might get pissed at this. Act uh, you know action gamers might think it's too uh, uh, stealthy. Um, so I think people that are going to be playing this just to kind of test it out are going to be best at just renting it at first. I think even Splinter Cell fans. Would be best to just rent it first because there's a lot that's changed in this from from past Splinter Cell games. Um, personally, I really like it. It's probably in my top three or four um, stealth games of all time. But Ooh. it's it's not going to be for everybody. It really isn't. Yeah. Well, I can see that as well. You know, there, there are you know uh, you mentioned the stuff with the gadget as well, and and there are certain things that sort of go against the convention of of gaming. Uh, like the grenades, for example, uh, the way they work with the physics and everything—it just there, there's basically no physics to them at all, and and you know that kind of stuff. It, it really—it's a small criticism, but it's it's something they had to do to make it work because uh, you have to be able to aim somewhere, and then the grenade hit exactly where you're aiming, and which right. that that's not the way it works in other games where you have uh, you know a, a fall you slope. You know you have yeah. To, yeah. Uh, whereas here they just you know sort of shoot straight towards the target. Uh, and it's something they did, I think, uh, especially with the cameras and, and sticky cams, which is which are awesome, by the way, uh, <laughs> to to make sure that you know you can set up these scenarios. And it's not conventional for gaming, but it is an, a way to, you know, um, enhance the stealth gameplay. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I I do like most of the gadgets, the EMP uh, jacket or the EMP uh, not jacket backpack. Thought yeah. that was kind of neat. Um, you know, it was okay. I, I thought it was, you know, just kind of neat in general. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. That's about it. I don't want to mention, uh, you know, radiation at such a clone, close range. You know, it could do stuff to your manhood. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Sam's really worried about that. He's an old man now. Yeah. His daughter's grown up, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we actually get into the uh, to the storyline? Let's do or... that. Okay. Um, so, uh, Grim. Uh, you know, uh, Fisher's former um, operation. I guess she was. She wasn't a director. She was like a coordinator, more. Like she yeah. was his field coordinator. Like he'd be out in the field, and she'd be the one that'd be like, you know, hey, watch out, Sam. There's there's some guys up on the bridge, and you got to take them out. You know, she was like Lambert's in between person. Hmm. Um, but she contacts Sam and and uh, tells her that tells Sam that uh, his daughter's still alive. Basically, 
you know, if he doesn't do what she says, then that she's gonna, you know, have her killed, or or so she infers. Hmm. Um, what do you think? Do you think she's? Uh, do you think she's actually alive? Well, this show is called Spoiler Alert, so I'm gonna say yes, she is alive. <laughs> uh, just to get that out there, uh, Sam's daughter is alive, and uh, supposedly uh, Grim has her, uh, which is kind of bullshit. Um, but I think I want to say something about Grim as a character and, and the way Sam interacts with her, because at the point where when Sam is abducted basically and, and brought in in to be interrogated, and you know Grim sort of rescues him from that uh, and tells you know Sam that he, she has um, uh, Sam's daughter. Um, I kind of felt like that wasn't, you know, uh, convincing. I think Sam at that point would have put a gun to her head and, you know, you know, whipped her good until she gave him some answers. He uh, did at, bitch slap her once, though. Well, at her request <laughs> to, to make things look authentic. But I mean, <laughs> I, I see a father who's been missing his daughter, who, who he thought was dead for three years. I'm thinking he's going to be a little bit more pissed and, and, you know, not under control than that. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go a little bit further here. I don't think his daughter is alive. I've played the game. I know that you see his daughter. I don't think she's alive. You hear her on the phone. You meet her on the helicopter ride, which gets shot down subsequently thereafter. But you're only with her for a couple of minutes. I don't think that's his daughter. Um, because they were they were saying like you know they told each other that they were alive or you know that they were both dead and everything like that. Mm. Do you, do you honestly think that? Fucking Sam Fisher, a super spy, wouldn't be able to locate his his daughter if if they had just quote unquote lied to her and said she was dead. I think she's actually dead. Maybe Lambert, even, I think because there's a point in the game where um, um, Grimm actually plays the recording from Lambert saying, you know, we've got to kill his daughter. You know, as no, part that, of the... that's not actually what he says. Okay, what, what what does he actually say? He, he says, uh, Lambert says in the recording uh, that uh, in order to make sure Sam uh, completes his duty to, to Echelon, uh, they need to make it look like she's dead. And that's basically wow. what he says. He says he's going to keep her safe, uh, but he's going to make Sam think she's dead so that Sam will devote his life to Third Echelon, which didn't uh. work out quite as he might have imagined. Um, but I, just since you brought up that part, I thought that was so... Strange, because I, I loved and hated that scene uh, at the same time. Because uh, at the point when when uh, when uh, Grim you know starts the recording, this immediate thought jumps into my mind: This is a secret agent. Lambert is a pro. Why the fuck would he voice record something like that? Exactly. Yeah. I I still, even though there was that recording, I still don't think that that she is actually alive. And I only have one tidbit of evidence that kind of supports that. And it's um, the guy who um, hit Sarah, uh, Sam's daughter's um, doppelganger. Like, uh, he was hired by Third Echelon, supposedly, or um, to actually find someone who looked like Sarah and then, you know, kill her with his car. Oh, good point. He says that his job is to find body duplicates and do that kind of shit all the time. Hmm. So who's to say that he's actually not lying? You know, he himself is an agent. You know. Also, didn't they mention that uh, that Sam was in that same car crash? No, Sam was not in that car crash. Okay, because I seem to remember him having an accident uh, of some sort as well. No, Sam was not in that car crash. In fact, that car crash was what 
kind of put him over the edge and made him willing to uh, kind of uh, submit himself to going to prison to partake in the events of Double Agent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think she. I don't think she's alive. I think she's dead. I think you might have a good point there. Um, I mean, <laughs> she certainly didn't act very rational, or I guess she acted a little too rational. Uh, you know, during the helicopter scene where where they crash. Uh, yep. she, she suddenly has this, you know, suit of body armor and gives him. I mean, uh, uh, yes, Sam did sort of train her during her childhood to, you know, know that kind of stuff. But seriously, when you're, you know, falling to a hell, you know, you know, um, from the skies in a helicopter, and you don't know, <laughs> and you don't know where your father is, you don't know if he's alive or not. The first thing you do is go find a fucking flak jacket. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And say, "Go save America, Daddy. You're yeah. the only one that can do it." When Sam had, at the beginning of the game, officially turned his back on not only like the American government but the American like populace and, and whole, he left the country. You know, yeah. as a, as a super agent, he could have stayed in the country. You know, but he left the country entirely. He does not give a shit about the U.S. anymore. He was beating the fuck out of like other agents and stuff that. As far as they knew, we're just doing their duty for the for you know the government. Hmm. And I mean, so. <laughs> another thing about Sam, uh, I do not think he is the brightest, um, you know, uh, collection of uh, minds. Now we're there. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, just just how much he trusts Grim is just off. I no, absolutely. I mean, you overhear these guys. Uh, <laughs> you over and I know she's supposed to be undercover, but you overhear all these guys you're about to take out talking about how she's the ice queen and she's a manipulator and how she ordered them to stand there and kill civilians. Yep. In the White House, especially. It's just, yeah. I kind of got touching on Grim. Yeah, that that is really weird. You do hear all this other kind of stuff, and Sam's just like. Da, da, da. Um, <laughs> But that's in game though. That's not during cutscene. So, so. I <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's kind of a shame that that kind of thing doesn't get automatically like recorded into Sam's little digital memory. Yeah. But um, Grimm's daughter is an odd choice of character to turn into a bad guy. But after they killed off Lambert in the last episode, I don't. Did they though? Yeah, that's the other thing. Did they really? Because yeah. even at the end of Double Agent, you know. Sam even says to Lambert, you know, help is on its way, everything's gonna be okay, you know? Yeah, and not to mention Sam Fisher's Twitter feed. And not to mention Sam's Twitter feed. Yeah. So, I think that everything that we've seen in this is a nice, subtle feint for what's gonna be coming up in, in Splinter Cell, whatever the hell the next title is gonna be. And it's gonna be great, you know? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna totally high-five you when we find out that both Sarah is dead and Lambert's alive. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, Lambert being dead and Sarah um, alive. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, at, the, at the very end of the game, did you um, did you kill the guy? Did you kill the, the, the person that took over Third Echelon and decided to overtake the U.S. government? Yes, I killed Reed. And I'm not still not sure exactly uh, how this whole thing played out uh, between Reed and the, um, the other guy. Um... But, I mean, yes, I killed Reed, uh, just because it seemed like the sort of thing Sam would do in the heat of the moment. It almost seemed like it was something that the president wanted him to do. Yeah. 
Because she tells that sergeant that comes in as Sam's holding, you know, Reed, you know, at gunpoint, she says, I don't see anybody else in here, Reed, or uh, uh, <laughs> do Captain, you? Uh, do you? And he was like, no, ma'am, let's go. And <laughs> yeah, I put a bullet right in Reed's head, man. Um, did you do it I, after? You did it after you interrogated him, though, right? Yeah, I shot him once in the shoulder, and then the second time I, like, pounded his head off of the off of the table or some shit like that. Okay, so you shot him in the shoulder. Because I, I thought when, when it said shoot uh, the first time, I thought, oh, so he's going to kill him without getting some information. So oh, I was totally going to do that, though, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it, it, it ended up that he'd only shot him in the shoulder. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, all right. Part of the interrogation. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it came to the point where it said either, you know, uh, right trigger to shoot or uh, or to kill, and then uh, B to, uh, to spare. And, you know, of course I'm not going to spare the guy, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of interrogation, this is actually kind of neat, and I, I figured this out. If you're in the bathroom, well, actually in any interrogation scene, you know, play around in the environment uh, if you haven't already, and see what stuff you can like break open off of these people's heads. Um, in the bathroom, in the very first one, if you put the guy up against the bathroom door, you like punch him in the head and dent in the door, and then as he falls, you like knee him in the face, and the door actually opens up, and there's a guy inside taking a shit. Oh, no. Nice. And the guy's like, oh my god, oh my god, there's somebody in here. It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. I mean, <laughs> uh, I wish they did more stuff like that. I wish they did more dynamic conversations and, and you know, uh, you know, interactions like that. Because when you're going after the white president, uh, oh, sorry, not white, <laughs> vice, <laughs> vice president. He's white too, though, so that's okay. <laughs> uh, when you're going uh, after the vice president, and there's, uh, I think, uh, four guys in the room, uh, uh, you know, uh, four guards, and then him. Uh, I mean, I snuck up and I tagged three of them, um, and I didn't have any points to uh, to complete the uh, finishing move or whatever it's called. Gotcha, uh, yeah. yeah. So I so I went and I took the other guy as a shield, and I killed them. And you know, at that moment, I thought, hmm, I wonder what happens if I go and snap this guy's necks right in front of the face of the vice president. <laughs> and I wish there were some sort of reaction out of him, because that would be so awesome if there was. That's kind of, uh, that's kind of sick, but... <laughs> you know, there, there... Dude, you would do exactly the same thing. <laughs> if you had that situation, you would, you know, walk the guy out there and snap his neck in front of his face. Um, that... You know, that actually brings up a whole other uh, part of the story, is the vice president. The vice president still lives, and he is very much a part of the, the plot line, you know? Yes. Uh, he is absolutely ready to take over as the role of the president, and uh, nobody knows what his fate is at the end of the, at the, end of the game. You know, he, he's involved in the, in the potential overthrow of the president to become, you know, president himself. Mm. And, um, you know, he's alive. Sam only kneecaps him in both legs. And, uh, um, well, yeah, but it, I mean, who really wants a crippled president? Uh, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It really doesn't matter. But, uh, I do, I'm just kidding, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's never going to be walking again. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I just loved Sam's line, too. He was like, you know, you really need to work on that whole bulletproof thing. You know? <laughs> um, they have a lot of uh, cool one-liners like that in general in the game. I, I, I think one time... Um, uh, or actually, several times you hear the phrase uh, "spray and pray." Oh, really? Yeah, because the enemies are walking around looking for him, for you, and you know they yell to each other. They're, you gotta aim. You gotta make sure you know, uh, you know, shoot precisely, because there's no point in spraying and praying on this guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, if you want to hear the best one-liners in this game, um, capture a guy, 
you know, put him in a chokehold. Uh, take him off into a dark corner so that nobody sees what you're doing, you know, to him. And find what you can smash his head off. Um, <clears throat> instead of, like, you know, the instead of the kill maneuver, if you push the guy up against, like, certain walls or mm-hmm. window sills and stuff like that, Sam will bash their head into the wall. Yeah. Or off of the off of the window sills and stuff. And the shit he says is so goddamn funny. He, he like, you know, like the one time I smashed a guy's face is off of a, uh, off of a windowsill, and of course the guy's dead, and he was like, you need any help counting your teeth? You know, like, he says some really dark shit. <laughs> um, or one time he cracked a guy's head off of a, uh, like a, a column in a, in a building, and he, and he was like, let's start, let's start, something like, let's get the heads cracking, or something like that. I don't know, just some really, really dark shit. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's a professional for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, that is my my favorite line is when he does like a sweet kill maneuver and he goes, "I guess all the training paid off." You know. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. Oh yeah. <laughs> guess all the training paid off. Uh, I mean, yeah. And he says stuff like, uh, you know, getting a little cocky there. If you were particularly, um, you know, uh, sloppy. Not- Sloppy, yeah, during a, a, a fight. Yeah, I, I've had him say a couple of times that could have gone a little better, mm-hmm. you know, on you know, on a few of my my uh, <laughs> stealth missions gone wrong. Yeah, I think uh, well. I think another thing I want to mention about the story is is the uh, is the inclusion of Wick, uh, which you know he helps out Sam in every way and can and stuff. But I don't, I, I didn't feel even though we did have the Iraq segment, which sort of gave background to their relationship. Yeah, I, I sort of didn't feel like they gave him enough. And I, I, I don't know if he's you know overly active in the other games because I haven't played them that much. But I, I didn't feel like they gave him you know enough uh, background to have the resources he has suddenly as a helicopter and suddenly as you know whatever. Yeah, uh, I predict he's going to be the next bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I really do. I predict he's going to be the next bad guy. I think I think it's going to be a total role reversal between this one and the next game. All the bad guys are going to be good guys. All the good guys are going to be bad guys. And I think people are going to love it. You know, I, I love this game. I, I don't know about you. Uh, this this game was totally up Randy's alley. Yeah. Um, I just um, the story to me isn't you know that great, but the gameplay is just right up my alley as well. It's 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 my perfect kind of game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate that you that you didn't do the other uh, Splinter Cell games, but at the same time, I totally don't blame you for not finishing Double Agent. Double Agent got uh, tedious at best. Yeah, it was the I think it's the only uh, Splinter Cell game that I only completed once. I think I stopped at the point where you are infiltrating the base, uh, the uh, the one where you have to sort of uh, well be a double agent basically. Uh, oh, you do that so many times though. Yeah, but it, it was one of the later ones uh, uh, where things started getting, you know, hefty. Uh, gotcha. Uh, I, I can't, it's so long since I played it, but uh, I might actually go back to it now just to sort of grasp the story a little more. Gotcha. But I want to know, is, is, is Vic, is he, is he, does he have a presence in the old games? To be honest with you, I really don't remember. I really don't remember. So, but, so no then. I, I don't, re- I don't recall. Probably not. You know, he definitely was not in Chaos Theory, um, and I really, really doubt if he was in in uh, Double Agent. Though, though he might have been, he might have been. Like I said, I only played through that one once. It was it was tedious. You know, those um, 
those in-between missions where you're actually at the, the Brotherhood's base and you had to, like, re-infiltrate the base, I got so tired of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I got real tired of that. But, um... Ah, oh, shit, there was something I wanted to ask you about. About, uh... About conviction. But, oh well. <laughs> well, I want to ask you, what did you think about the ending scene uh, where uh, Wick, you know, talks to the camera? And... Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's, it's either Sam coming in to break him out, or, um, like I said, I have not yet finished... Um, have not yet finished Double Agent or the the um, the the co-op version of it. I kind of wonder if it's them breaking him out. Kind of wonder. Not a hundred percent sure. See, um, although it yeah. would be kind of counter the story a little bit, considering that you I know th- Archer works for Third Echelon and and um, you know all that. I think maybe that's somewhere in the middle of the next game. Yeah. Because, um, you know, they really don't explain how he got captured. And since he was with uh, Sarah, Sam's uh, supposed daughter. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> they really don't, you know, uh, divulge any, anything that happens after he goes off to the White House. No. So, yeah. Um, I I think maybe <clears throat> he gets captured somehow by the... Probably by just the regular fucking CIA or FBI or whatever. Uh, and, right, right. And um, and Sam g- goes to break him out, but I'm I'm not sure if it's because he wants to save his friend or it's, if he, it's if it's because he wants information. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Or... I mean, it's definitely Sam breaking him out, though. Uh, or if it's Sam breaking him out to find out where the hell they took Sarah. Yeah, you know, because if if he's you know captured, then Sarah's got to be somewhere. And the reason I think that is because you know at the end his last line is like, "Yeah, brother is family, right?" And then, mm-hmm. you know, things go kabooey, and he says, yeah, thought so. so but it's... he has such a devious look on his face when he says that, though. Like, beyond <laughs> just a, I gotcha, he's got almost a, a sinister look on his face. Yeah. Hmm. I want him to be a bad guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the same time, I, I think I might actually like it more if he is a good guy. Yeah? Uh, it turns out, because, you know, then I wouldn't expect that. You know who he is? And I'm not saying this literally, but he is totally uh, the old guy from uh, um, Uncharted. Yeah, and Uncharted. 2. Exactly. He is totally that old guy. They they both even have the same haircut and mustache for crying out loud. <laughs> and all they well, need to do is show him smoking cigars, flirting with younger women. I, I, you mentioned that, and, and I'm not. <laughs> I Sully, like. I, I lo- yeah, I like that they sort of turn the tables on you and suddenly, even though for a long time you thought Sully or this guy is you know, a bad guy, they turn the tables on you, but it's just so, I mean uh, the way they do it, especially in Uncharted, where, where you see Sully walking around as if he's, you know, enjoying himself um, <laughs> it's just, and, and I, that's exactly the same thing with this, I mean he's sitting there, telling everything about Sam's life to these people uh, you know, telling every little detail they could use against Sam, and and you know, if he then turns out to be a good guy, then he's a pretty fucking shitty good guy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like he's either a pretty fucking shitty good guy or a pretty fucking shitty bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Because you know? if because so, if he's a bad guy, then he's an obvious bad guy. Yeah, because even God, even if Sam does break them out and kill the two agents, the whole thing was being recorded on videotape and. 
yeah, it, it's it's going to be a hell of a sequel. I really hope that that Ubisoft makes enough money off of this and sees the value, you know, the continued value and value in the in the you know Splinter Cell series, and I hope they continue it. You know? yeah. because it, it's definitely one of my my favorite series since probably the first uh, iteration of Splinter Cell. Which, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I I know I said this in the review, but I kind of feel like I need to say it here. This is the first Splinter Cell that I do not own, or I will not own, on PC. And it's all because of that really crazy Ubisoft DRM. Yeah. And this is the kind of game you want to own on PC as well, because even just the aiming in this game, it is awesome on the 360, but it seriously makes a difference where on the head you aim. Yep. And yep. And that is awesome, but that is not something that you know you associate with the analog an- analog stick. Yeah. Uh, there's no auto aiming in this game, and if there is, it's barely noticeable and barely efficient at all. So, yeah. I mean, I once hit the guy in the in the cheek, right, and sort of strafed him, and he barely lost any damage. And that's just because it's a flesh wound, and they've, they've seriously done this kind of work on this game, and I applaud them for it, but you need to make the PC version unattractive by in that case. Yeah, and you know, the other thing is, like, this is, the PC, this is this is how bad it is. I, I personally, I love my Xbox 360 and the games that are on it, but I am just looking at it, thinking to myself that as soon as Microsoft stops, you know, supporting, you know, repairs on this is when it's going to break and all my games become just... Null and void. Yeah, I, I want my games on PC so that I can play them in the future. You know, I can install every one of my games, with the exception of Chaos Theory, on onto any machine and play it. Um, Chaos Theory, just because that game too also had a monstrous, you know, digital rights manner, manager on it as well. And it's the same thing with Steam as well, just because of digital digital copies. I mean, you have all these. You know, Steam is an awesome service, but what happens the day that someone uh, takes their spot, their spotlight and Steam, you know, has to shut down. Exactly. Say, say, say something like OnLive, uh, you know, completely takes over uh, PC gaming, then everything you bar- purchase on Steam uh, is, you know, useless, because eventually they're going to shut down the servers if they don't yep. make any money. Yep, and uh, I know this is going off a little bit off of a t- on a tangent and not necessarily reflecting on the game per, per se, but um, the download service, um, uh, what the hell is it called? Reflexive is officially doing that right now. Um, they were bought out by Amazon, and uh, every game that anybody has ever bought from the service Reflexive uh, can no longer download them after June 30th, 2010. So, yeah, I mean, do they I, that- at least? Do they at least then? Uh, enable you to play the game without having the service. Oh so yeah, you, like so you, you can, can download you can, it, you know, and then you can, uh, you know, have it on the hard drive and just launch. You can it. download it and have it on your hard drive, but the fact is, like, Reflexive is no longer going to hold on to it anymore. Amazon is not going to be <coughs> buying all of those accounts and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of sad. So you know, it, it makes a case for, I guess, all j- games in general it, it, as to. Keeping them future-proof or more future-proof as 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 future-proof as possible, you know. Yeah, I think you really need to do. Um, I think what you need to do is, is is put them establish some sort of uh, user uh, agency 
which would, you know, use a rights agency, basically, which would, you know, uh, sort of uh, transfer these these sort of accounts to them. Yeah. But, you know, that's going to be insanely expensive. Uh, so <laughs> that, Absolutely. That, that's the only solution I can think of that's completely future-proof. Absolutely. But anyway, back to the game. All in all, thumbs up, thumbs down? Uh, thumbs up. I loved it. Uh, I, I, I don't completely understand it. Uh, there are a few things that annoyed me about it, and uh, and I'm, you know, so much looking forward to the next one. And hopefully the next one won't take as long, because hopefully they're going to use the same engine, which is basically Unreal uh, 3, but the same design principles. Yeah, yeah, they did an amazing job with the Unreal 3 engine. Big, big thumbs up from me, but again, it's not going to be for everybody. Um, I really want to see, and I've always wanted to see this, where the... the the co-op agents, I want them to have a Splinter Cell experience of their own. You know, I love yeah. Sam Fisher and everything like that, but, you know, um, I liked him better when he was the agent that did whatever he had to do to get the mission done back when he was just the the expendable agent by the government. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wore the suit, wore the goggles, carried the rifle, and all that kind of fun stuff. Whereas, uh, you know, now he's, I don't know, he's almost gained too much personality for me. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, I think... It'd be cool if they did sort of the uh, the Call of Duty uh, thing where they killed him off and then you played another guy. Because, you know, this guy's been through a, through a lot and how really, realistically, how much shit can you take before you eventually croak over and die? Right. <laughs> it's but, just... Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I... Yeah. Anyway, so, personally, and I know a lot of people are going to get pissed at me about what I say in this, but I think almost in every way this is a better game than Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> yeah, I hate you now. <laughs> I think story-wise it's better. I think the controls are by far superior. And um, I think the stealth play is just amazing compared to Metal Gear Solid 4, which there was like no stealth play whatsoever. There was like very, very little. So uh, my opinion is that uh, Metal Gear has a better story just because it's more uh, interesting. You want to, you know, know about this stuff. You want to, uh, you know, hear what the people have to say. All the time, it's always interesting. It's always something beyond the per interpersonal relationships. Um, and, you know, basically, Splinter Cell is the opposite. Uh, but uh, in the gameplay, yes, I do think it has better stealth gameplay in terms of controls and, 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 and action. I think this is really the action answer to stealth gameplay. Whereas Metal Gear is more of an RPG or strategy-based stealth gameplay. Um, I could see that kind of thing. Because I mean, clearly, Metal Gear, you have a lot more options available. You, you, there are a lot more ways you can dispatch a foes and, and you know handle a situation. You can, you know, just the fact that you can uh, make a sound and people will be attracted to the sound, and then you can navigate around them and flank them or something. Like that. Just that fact changes the, the whole thing so much. Whereas in Splinter it's basically just direct attack. You can't really mislead anyone or trick them or whatever, you know? Not in this one, but you could in past ones. In yes. past ones, you could, you could tap on walls, you could whistle. Even the sticky cams. Um, in, you this know, in this one. one. In this one, they do it too, but you can make the sticky cams whistle and stuff and, yeah. and then cause them to go aside. So, And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree. It's, it's a whole other different experience. And Metal Gear at this point has become... Uh, a cult kind of game. It, it, it really is a cult following kind of game where if you don't know everything, 
if you don't read uh, the you know Metal Gear Encyclopedia, which uh, which you can download on, on the PlayStation Store, then <laughs> mostly you won't know what's going on. But if you do read that stuff, then I think it is the most amazing game story uh, ever told. Um, just because it is all so thoroughly thought out, um, and I really haven't seen anything like that. But since we're talking about Spinner Cell, I did like it for its action, and I did like it for its uh, its sort of brutality, which uh, is severely lacking in Metal Gear. There you have it. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, we're going to round out. And uh, yeah, goodbye. See, this is where you say bye as well. Oh, bye as well. <laughs> <laughs>